Before we get started on today's show, I want to tell you about WGD, WGT Golf, the video game that is sweeping the nation, or at least the DNVR family. It's the most popular golf game in the world. It's the official gaming partner of DNVR. And listen up, because we've got some cool stuff going on. We're starting our first WGT Major this week, and there are some huge prizes. First place, you guys aren't going to believe this, first place gets $200 cash. Second place gets $100 cash. Third place gets a DNVR t-shirt, hat, and sticker pack of their choice. Isn't this nuts? Our first ever major. It's this weekend, so you're going to want to download the WGT Golf app. You're going to want to look for the DNVR Clubhouse. This is the key to be eligible. You have to be in the DNVR Clubhouse. Right now, we're on Clubhouse 3. Stay locked on social media to DNVR Sports. We might be adding DNVR 4 coming very quickly. And then all you have to do is compete in this weekend's tournament. It's going to go live Thursday night. You hop on, you play, you get the closest to the whole tournament. If you get closest, you win, you get $200 cash prize. So join us, guys. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing it together. There's like a nice little inner inner uh, company rivalry going on. You're not going to want to miss out on this. Our first ever major. Download the app today. There we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to a test out edition here, the list live test edition of the dnvr nuggets podcast with some notes and some video i think it's going to be a good time and to join me i brought in one of the homies from the athletic from all of the athletic pods including the rainbow skyline pod which you should be checking out it's dave dufour dave what's happening brother just hanging man the playoffs. just hanging a lot of a lot of fun man so i've yeah i've been hanging i've been watching film I'm uh, I'm watching a lot of film too, in particular Nuggets film. And I got to be honest, man. I enjoy going back and rewatching games, even the losses. You get something out of rewatching game two is tough. That was one of the toughest rewatches I've all have ever had to do as a Denver Nuggets fan and analyst. That one was tough. I've watched the ending like seven times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not worth rehashing that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just I, we just we just it's recorded. Rainbow Skyline, uh, Kendra Andrews and I, and we talked about it right off the top, and we were just like, "Listen, Shit, my internet froze. Players hit shots, right? Especially great players. Anthony Davis. I mean, it's not crazy that he hit that shot. He was open. And on any single play, you're going to have some kind of defensive miscommunication or whatever. But you can sit and pick that play to death. But the truth yeah. is, like those plays happen." 40 times a game, and that one just happened to happen at the buzzer, and it's tough. But you have to like the process that got you to that point. I mean, you have to love the way that they played, especially Jokic and Murray together when they were on the court together. Um, when Murray wasn't out there, it's a whole different ball game. But uh, you have to love how aggressive Jokic was down the stretch. Like, I would love to see that sooner, but I understand, like, this is he, – he likes to play rope-a-dope, and so you have to live with that. But – I would not spend too much time on that one play. There's so many other things that you could focus on, yeah. uh, especially the positive. So, like, yeah, just that one play. Like, yeah, throw it well, out. I want to go back to the Jokic thing because it's always so interesting to me. Like, Jokic is one of very few players that I just say, like, even when I disagree with him, I question myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and, and it is kind of true. Like, there often you when you see him go at Anthony Davis like he did in the fourth quarter, 11 points in a row, just kind of getting what he wanted and knocking him down. You do kind of sit there and go, well, why don't you do that for 48 minutes? You'd have 50 points. You would, you know, you'd dominate. And I do wonder about it. I mean, look, there are moments and pockets I think he can pick to be more aggressive. But I also think there is something to his 
you know, good process. We need to get everybody going. I can go out and score 30 points in the first half, but nobody else is going. And and I think there's a little bit of that, him just t- doing, not wanting to win one way, trying to, hey, we got to do everything here. And then also, let's be honest, he can't score on Anthony Davis every time like he did there. He stepped up in a big moment, but you're not so sure. <laughs> you're not so sure. Know, man. I mean, he he's one of the two best post-up players in the league. It's him and Joel Embiid. And I mean, I guess LeBron's in there too, if you really want to, you know, split hairs but i think he could score a lot more than he does but like you mentioned that's not his game yeah his thing is and and honestly the nugget ceiling gets higher the more involved everyone else is i mean one of the big things about this series so far and in in the clipper series is you need more production out of the role players Jokic and murray have been incredibly consistent i mean game one they got they got smacked but that's going to happen game two both of those guys were fantastic it was everyone else who kind of let them down defensively they were fan they were really really good in this game their, their defense has been locked in it, it's just you're not getting enough offensive production out of Millsap Grant Harris I mean we saw PJ Dozier comes in and because he's actually actively making plays or at least attempting to he got more run I think that's the right path for Mike Malone to take and I, I love that he's willing to ride a guy like PJ Dozier in yeah. crunch time because he's playing well like this is this is smart coaching it's good basketball and Jokic sets the tone for that no one feels like they aren't allowed to shoot you know there are teams where the superstars oh totally the role players to shoot and Jokic is the opposite if Jokic hits you and you're open and you don't shoot that's the problem and so you I, saw I this in the Clippers series I thought down the stretch of game seven you could tell that nobody wanted to shoot. And not only did they not want to shoot, they didn't know if they were supposed to. It was just kind of like, hey, man, it's crunch time. I think we're supposed to go to Kawhi and PG over and over again. And those guys came up a little small. But I do want to couch the PJ thing for a second because it's in my my list of notes here. And maybe it's time we sure. just kind of break into these notes and, and start going line by line. So what I like to do, Dave, is when I go back and rewatch games, I just go in order. So these are all not necessarily in order of importance. They're in order of how they happened. And I sure. make a note and then we kind of go through them. So I want to start here. The number one thing, if you go back and watch this game, it took the Nuggets three and a half minutes to score their first point. I think almost four minutes to score their first point. And they got some decent looks, but it is clear that the Lakers' length is really bothering them, especially that front, that first lineup. They figured it, you know, as the game goes on, they get more comfortable. You go back and watch that game, Jokic missed a bunch of bunnies. Uh, other guys missed a bunch of shots in the rim or – hesitated and didn't even take it because they're looking up and there's just so much length there. Um, And that was one of the ideas of the Lakers when they assembled this team was we're going to put a bunch of tall trees out there and really bother them. Well, they can out big you. Yeah. And then when they go small, it's Anthony Davis and LeBron James are your foreign. When they go small. Yeah. It's small. And their small lineup is like most people's regular lineup. Yeah, exactly. And, And that is tough. And I think that that's one of the reasons not to get to PJ Dozier again, but Having yeah. a big guard helps, man. Like, I mean, he's just a big body, and you look at him, and it's a different type of physicality that he brings compared to Monte Morris. And you know, I you know how much I love Monte Morris. I think he is a professional backup yeah. point guard. He could be a starter on a lot of teams in the NBA. Just solid guy, doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't really make mistakes, good enough shooter. But PJ Dozier offers you a little bit of, you know, oomph. He's big. Yeah. Not, I mean, he's got a big body too. I mean, you saw him trying to handle LeBron, and so he guarded LeBron. One, he he drove and got an and one on. on Anthony Davis. Yeah, like he yeah. he really does have. So his measurables are almost identical to Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think Shea has like a little bit of a longer wingspan, but I think PJ's thicker. Yeah, yeah, 
So you look at them and they're almost identical in that way. And you think, well, Shea Gilgis Alexander is like the perfect prototype point guard defensively, right? He's just so yeah. long. He can swallow up so many people. So I'm with you. If PJ Dozier had a jumper, he's like, he's not just a starting point guard. He's a top 15. I would say he's like in the top <laughs> half of starting point guards. But of course, if he had a jumper is one of those things that it's like, okay, well, right. that's a big, yeah. that's a big thing against you. But I love, I'm just so in on Dozier's defense. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Another thing that happened in this game early on, Jeremy Grant picks up two early fouls and he picked up fouls actually throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the Nuggets survived without him defensively because they were able to go to some other players and I'm curious because I think Jeremy Grant's fantastic. This by no means maybe he shouldn't be in the lineup, but I do wonder if Denver can maybe play a little bit differently, a little bit more versatilely, you know, in some of their other lineups because I feel like they kind of found something without him, which I never would have guessed. I would have guessed if he gets in foul trouble, Nuggets are screwed because who guards LeBron? Wasn't the case. I mean, I, I've been floating the idea of bringing Millsap off the bench as the backup center instead of Plumlee and sliding Michael Porter Jr. out there because for all of his defensive shortcomings, effort is not one of them. And you can effort yourself in a lot of ways that, that is helpful. Of course, they're going to try to pick on him, but they're going to pick on whoever, right? Yeah. They've done really well defensively. And I think that they could withstand Porter being out there because you could put him on a wing. You you can guard Kuzma with him, and you're not too worried about him getting destroyed. But what he brings on the other end is so valuable. I mean, 15 points off the bench, man. Like, yeah, that that's and a, a lot of those bench. buckets were created buckets, right? They were like he caught it, he wasn't open, and he elevates and makes it. He offensive rebound, well, good cut. All of these third quarter comebacks, man. Porter is out there with Murray and Jokic, yeah, and that third guy is what they've been missing all season. You know, having another guy who can create off the dribble, who's a threat to shoot, and he will, he's going to fucking shoot. I mean, he's a threat to shoot because he actually shoots. Like, if he has a little bit of space, he takes it. He can put it on the floor if you close out too hard. He can attack closeout. He's not scared of physicality, and he rebounds his ass off. And I just think that guy is pretty valuable. And Millsap was fine in this game, but I think Millsap coming off the bench provides you with just a little bit more. It's less minutes for Plumlee. Let's, Let's just be honest, right? And it's it's a more, I guess, competent guy out there. Now, Plumlee's still going to play because he's yeah. actually matched up pretty well in this series, I think, so far. You know, that last play, you know, throw it out the window. But um, just it just gives you more offensive versatility, and, and that's what the Nuggets have been missing. The defense yeah. is there. They need more offense. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you, but I do a podcast with George Carl called the Keeping It 1000 podcast. And it's funny when you talk to a coach and how different fans and analysts perspective can be from a coach, but he really sold me on this one thing. Michael Porter is the better player. He might be the third most talented player on the note. He might be, if you just talk talent, he might be number one, but just how that talent affects the game at his best. He's a top three player on the nuggets, but I don't think the nuggets trust him at all. And for good reason, you talk about the defensive lapses. We're going to show one later on, but he makes a lot of those and trust is just such a big part of it. Then there's the, does he sometimes press too much? The perfect version of Michael Porter is going to be extremely aggressive, but in a way that the team understands, you know, when Jokic is aggressive, everybody knows what he's doing on the team. They know like, Mm -hmm. Oh, he's going here. That trust in that chemistry just isn't quite there. And I think that more than anything is why Millsap is going to continue to start and why I think he should. Uh, Michael Porter is a lot like a tall Jamal Murray to me in that Mm. because Jamal is very similar, right? Like when he's going, he's going same with Jokic. Now I think that they've got to kind of treat 
MPJ the same way. Like if he's going, he's going. Go yeah. with him, right? They, you're telling me you can't run some inverted pick and roll stuff with with Michael Porter as the ball handler and Jamal as the screener. Right. There's just there are options there, and of course, part of this is these guys didn't have the the end of the regular season really to work this stuff out. They get to the bubble and everyone's hurt. I mean, they're playing. They started you know, four centers in a game. I, there's, there's so many reasons why they haven't been able to, to really uh, gel as well as I think they could, even though they've been great. I, I think they could be better. I actually think this team next year is, is a Western conference final favorite because of Michael Porter jr. Being able to add him in for a whole season after this run. I mean, they're going to be really dangerous. What percentage do you think they're getting out of Michael Porter? Like how much of I cuz for me I think they're getting like 20% of him. Maybe I, less. I was going to say it's low. Whatever yeah. it is, it's low because I, I I do think this this guy could be a 25 point a game. Yeah. Guy. And they're not getting that right now. Clearly part of that's minutes, right? He's coming off the bench, yeah. played 20 minutes. Um and he's got to be able to defend. At least hold up. Like he can't just get destroyed. And yeah. so until he can do that, they're not going to trust him to be out there at all, much less, uh, you know, during key stretches, like closing games. Yeah. Unless it's, it's hot, yeah. in which case they will. I like these questions coming in. Happy PJ got to play. Could Troy Daniels play some? I don't see it. And again, it comes down to that trust and familiarity. I mean, he's a nice player. Troy Daniels can make shots, but mm -hmm. the Nuggets don't know him nearly well enough to, to be able to play with him. And, and, and he doesn't have the length. I mean, this, I don't know that you're adding enough there with his shooting to make up for the lack of chemistry, lack of defense, all the other question marks he kind of throws into the machine. So, and, and he's not an on-ball shot creator. So, like, he's not doing it off the dribble, and that's why Murray is so good for them. Um, you know, if, if Troy Daniels could come in and be Jamal Murray light doing this stuff off the dribble, running pick and rolls and, and things like that, it's different. But, yeah, yeah he's not that guy. All right, I'm going to try to – we have some – let me see if this works here. I'm going to take this off for a second. Next note I have in here is that Tory. so Tory comes in for Jeremy Grant and makes two – it makes a couple of really bad plays. He gives up an offensive rebound. He just – Tory is a guy that gives so much effort, but I feel like he's on a different wavelength, especially than Jokic. And there's often a lot of these sort of um, – there's often a lot of just like confusion about, about him and where he's supposed to be on the court. Let's take a look at this play here. Tell me if you can – can you see this play here, Dave, that I've pulled up? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to walk through this one here. Um, a post-entry to Paul Millsap here. They're going to try to attack him against Kyle Kuzma. Let's take a look at the spacing here because I don't understand Tori's post-entry and then hides almost behind Jamal Murray here. It's, and, it's almost like he thinks there's an illegal defense. You know, it, <laughs> it really, like, it's weird. Yeah. He should be over on the wing and, and maybe, like, at the hash mark, you know, just really spacing out. Of course, he's not a, a real three-point threat, but, it you know, you might get an open bucket out of it when the help digs in the spacing on these post-ups is just so important. And you could see Jamal Murray kind of pointing for him over here. I think Tory Craig's trying to plan an angle cut here, but you can just see like, it's like I said, he's always on his own wavelength from the rest of the team. And, um, that's Murray's a lot, cut, by the way, if you slow, if you slow everything down though, for Denver, there's just so many post-ups where there's three guys in the paint. You know, I mean, here's a full hard double with a, another guy kind of behind here. And Denver's just not in position to to, to punish them here. Well, look Again, it is guarding. a good – what's that? Look at who the Lakers are guarding. They're guarding Murray and they're guarding Jokic. They're not worried about those role players at all. Yeah. They're, they're able to swarm the ball like that. I mean, they, they have three guys on the ball uh, because they're just not worried about the rest of those guys. And, you know, Torrey Craig, again, he took Jamal's cut. 
Right. So yep. yep. Tori should be on the wing. That cut should be Jamal Murray. And then Jokic kind of lifting up the wing right. to, to potentially be the release foul for an open three or move it to the corner where, you know, Gary Harris is since, you know, they've got Danny Green hanging out there uh, helping off the weak side. But Tory Craig threw the entire play off by being stacked on top of Murray for some reason. So this is the thing is, you know, the Lakers are, I think, are guarding Denver in a way that Denver can take advantage of. They just have to be so dialed in with their spacing, cutting and their principles here. And there's just so many plays when you go through it that you go, OK, what was the best option here? I guess they could have, you know, made a better cut here. He he looks like Millsap was committed to this turnaround jumper through hell or high water, um, which is a problem. But um, just the spacing uh, as a post player, I always think like, did they give him a, the best opportunity to sort of succeed there? And that's one of those plays where I'm like, no chance, no, 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 no chance way. No way. And, and again, Craig ruined that for Jokic and Murray by, by being out of place. You know? Yeah. And that's uh, where Jeremy Grant in that instance, like that guy understands his role. And I think right. he would have been spaced out properly. Take a quick break here to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery official partner of DNVR. I'm one of the OGs sponsoring dnvr i want to tell you about the avalanche amber ale fall is in the air i've been putting on my flannel i go out on my porch every day just to kind of decompress get into nature and lately i've had to put the coat on put on the flannel get a little bit buttoned up and you know what's perfect for that type of weather it's actually my favorite weather slight jacket weather in colorado especially in the night like autumn air a plus one of the best parts about living in colorado and that moment, that experience, that feeling pairs so nicely with an avalanche amber ale. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Those go together so well. You go out on your porch at night, you crack open an avalanche amber ale, and you just you just feel the stars shining down on you. Everybody needs it. I'm telling you, unplug for a little bit. I'm on this big unplug kick, and you can do that with an avalanche amber ale. <laughs> avalanche amber ale out on the uh, on your porch or on your patio. Watch, people are going to be doing this 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 week. And you guys are going to be like, Adam was right. That was great. Breckenridge Brewery also has the Colorado Core, the Hot Peak IPA, Strawberry Sky. You combine the Hot Peak and the Strawberry Sky and you get a Hot Pink IPA, which RK calls the RK Special. Many people are calling it that. Believe it or not, guys, I had it for the first time the other day, the RK Special. Very delicious. Highly recommend. You can get it at the DNVR bar as well. The Vanilla Porter Jr., anything. You guys know about them. They're a fantastic partner. Check them out. Don't miss out. Also want to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. Week two of football's in the books now. It's time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There's no better place than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to add to the excitement of week three, they're always doing something crazy. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't heard yet, get the app now. Because DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. Literally any team. Take the heaviest favorite, put a dollar on them. You win $100. That's free money. Um, that's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if it wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to take advantage of this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week three. Bet $1, win $100. Limited time only. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Here's another example here. And this is a lot of what they were doing with Jokic. Same thing. They do these little like snap screens here to get uh, the switch. And the Lakers are giving the Nuggets that switch a lot. They're just they're, they're they're content to it. But we get kind of the same thing. There's nobody in the dunker. So Anthony Davis fully commits to this double. 
And if you just look at the spacing here, three guys being able to guard four, I'm not sure what Denver's doing to put them in position to punish for that. I'm, And I might be missing something here, Dave. I'm not uh, t completely confident, but I, they did this so often where there was four guys basically occupying you know less than half of the court. And it's just, as a post player to me, that seems like you're setting up for failure. Yeah, that's not good offense. And I mean, I, I think that what they're trying to do is prevent that dig down from from the strong side. But absolutely. You want that. Like, I'm sorry, but like every single offensive possession should be about trying to trying to bait a double team on Jokic. Not right. this kind of double team, right? Like you just mentioned it. Three guys are able to guard four players, and now that double actually works because there is no threat. And and then these guys are static. There's no moving. It's not like yep. you got Jamal. Like Jamal here could have set a down screen, screen Kuzma. Then you bring Porter around. And at least you got him moving. And maybe you can work it into a dribble handoff up around the elbow. Right. And, and so there are things that you could do there, but they're not doing them. And you can see Murray kind of kind of looking like he's he's trying Getting to find a spot to, to cut. Yeah. But there's just it's awkward. It's an awkward start for a guy like Jokic. The where the play, the spot I would be looking at right here is the dunker. Cause I mean, if you watch Anthony Davis fall, I mean, he doesn't even follow Gary Harris through. I mean, from to me, this is where you can maybe try to just put a little bit more pressure. You bring a guy down here, then, then you get Caruso having to decide, does he split the difference between the two guys? Maybe this is an earlier Tory Craig cut to get into the dunker. I don't, it just, I think this is an area Denver can shore up, but they went to this a lot. They tried to get Jokic isolated alone on the strong side. And um, to well, me, Gary I just Harris, think things. Gary Harris on that play could have cut back door and I think he would have probably caught Caruso and Anthony Davis sleeping yeah and maybe wound up with a corner three just wide open just yeah. just cutting hard it looks like actually he was heading that way at the end of that yeah. clip might have been um anyway I saw that a lot and we're gonna look at one a little bit later but um that kind of goes against this so we'll, we'll we'll kind of compare and contrast but the lead ballooned to to 10 points pretty quickly um after that after that initial kind of back and forth Denver had a lead and then the Laker, I think the Nuggets had a 12 to 8 lead, and then it was 25 15. So that shows you just how big of a run the Lakers were able to go on right there. And, you know, this has been the story now for the Nuggets. It came in the second quarter of game one, it was in the first quarter of game two, and it's kind of been the story of the Nuggets all playoffs long. Everybody's focused in, I think, on the comebacks, which have been incredible, incredibly resilient team. But to have a comeback, you have to fall behind by 10 points in almost every game, which is what Denver has done throughout this entire playoffs. Well, with the Clippers, they were sort of playing rope-a-dope. I, I do think it was a strategic choice that you were conserving energy because the, the data, I've, I looked at the data, <laughs> and, and the Clippers fall apart. They've fallen apart all year. As a matter of fact, Doc Rivers coach teams have fallen apart really? since 08. But just Kevin Garnett was able to boost those Boston teams, so you didn't realize it. But opponents' effective field goal percentage is just skyrockets for the last 17 minutes of games against the Clippers. And we saw them start to stack offensive lineups in the second half of the third quarter. And that's when they were keying those comebacks. Well, they're already doing that against the Lakers. That's, you know, Michael Porter Jr. being out there right. and really bringing them back into games. But this team can't just counterpunch. They have got to learn to punch. You cannot, you don't have a puncher's chance if you're only counterpunching. Right. They have to try to come out early especially like game three i'd like to see him come out with that offensive lineup i know that they're not going to do it but I, I would love to see them try to win a first quarter handily not yeah. for 38 36 but like win it by 10 like that's what they need to do 
Well, yeah, we're going to talk about some lineup changes here in a bit because I'll be interested to see if Denver adjusts. Um, you know, now that they're down two games, here's another play that kind of highlights one of the things that frustrates me so much about Tory Craig. Keep an eye on him with Caruso here, and also keep an eye on Rondo. This is great, smart players kind of knowing their personnel. He's he's telling Kuzma to kind of clear out here because he knows the slip is going to get him, and this is one of the problems with. Um, with you know the sw- switching guard to guard action is when you get players that aren't always connected and of course this involves Michael Porter Jr as well as Tory Craig Tory Craig gets on his heels here and this is not a screen it's a fake to slip right and then as you do that Gary Harris has to rotate over and you give up a wide open corner 3 that of course they knock down and this pushed that lead but this is the type of plays that as much as Tory Craig is an incredible on-ball defender and and gives great effort he makes a lot of these that these these are the plays that really kill you. Where it's hey, how did you fall asleep on that specific action that a guy cuts right right down the well, lane for let's you? Let's go go back to the beginning because it's not even that he just fell asleep. Look at his positioning to start. He's a little behind, look at, but look not at bet- where he exactly. And so like, let's say you're going to switch it. Yeah, well, you're already you're already behind the screen, so you're not even ready to switch. I, I just you know listen. He is very, like you mentioned, he's very good on the ball, but that stuff has to improve. I'd like to see him sink down to the nail there. Right. You know, right. listen, if Kuzma gets the ball deep and, and comes off and wants to shoot a deep three, that's that's, that's a win. One, right. A huge you win. Cannot, you cannot, no matter who's making the cut, whether it's Caruso or Kuzma coming off the screen, you cannot be where he is when the, when the cut starts. Because if Kuzma, if, if Caruso is setting a screen here for Kuzma to just run that little zipper cut down the middle, Tory Craig's still getting burnt. Right. <laughs> right. It looks almost like he's setting it for a flare or something. I mean, the mm-hmm. way they're, they're disguising it, but again, this is very smart player, very smart player. And you can tell they they almost anticipate exactly how this defense is going to screw up. That's why Rondo clears them out says, Hey, get out a little further. Boom. Got him. And it's just one of those plays where, Smart players can always kind of entrap the the less smart players. Well, and, and the Lakers have fantastic chemistry, man. Like, yeah. I mean, when you've got Rondo and you've got LeBron, um, you've got quite a bit of built-in chemistry. There's two guys that like to make to like to make the teammates happy. That's a good thing. Um, and Caruso, like you mentioned, smart player, great slip. The timing on that is perfect. That's a bread and butter play for them. I mean, they, they've been yeah. running that all year. So Michael Porter, by the way, I don't have any clips for this because it would there was there was plenty of instances, but you can tell he's thinking the game, and not always. Sometimes he like turned, he's not thinking it enough. But you could <laughs> yeah. tell like even when he is on, he's trying. So everything is a calculation to him. It's not a natural. It's not like kind of built into him. And I don't, you know, some players it never gets fully built into. I know he'll improve, but that's one of my questions with him is is he going to be an instinctual defender at some point? And I think this is one of the frustrations with the Nuggets is he sometimes you can just see him where he's thinking like, OK, when this happens, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to come up here and do that. Not feeling it, just kind of thinking right. where what's mechanical. the spot on the court I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Mechanical is. Yeah, I'm very mechanical. Describe it. Now, with that being said, if he can be a functional defensive mechanic. Right. Great. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that now. I, I will give him a lot of credit. His effort is is not bad on the defense. Yeah. It's not like these are lapses in judgment or or lack of feel. No instinct. These aren't lazy. These aren't dying like dying on screens. He doesn't die on screens. He get caught a lot, but it's not yeah. like he's not fighting. And so I think you can work with that guy. Um, at the very least, with his athleticism, and uh, maybe he's the worst defender you run out there, but. I think he could be 
better than a defensive liability. He can at least be yeah. like, I can hold my own. You're not going to die in defensively in the minutes I'm out there. He so needs to stop being able to be hunted. Right, right, right. Um, Anthony Davis really cooked Jokic in that first quarter when they went to the the small lineup. Now, here's what I find interesting. First quarter of game one, we see that lineup. Nuggets win those minutes. Mm-hmm. First quarter of game two, Nuggets lose those minutes. The th- th- third slash fourth quarter of game two, they win those minutes. So you have two, three sample size, basically. The Nuggets have won two, lost one, but the one they lost was the loudest because Anthony Davis was just going right at him. How do you feel about the AD at center, Jokic at center matchup? I think it's it's not a wash because AD is pretty ridiculous, but you know Jokic can get it back on the offensive end. You yeah. just need more help. That's it. If the help defense does its job on Anthony Davis, you're forcing him to make other people make plays for him. You know, yeah. you're forcing him to be a passer. You actually want to try to turn him into Jokic. Right. You know, if he if he's having to throw tough passes that only Jokic can throw, that's great defense. And so trying to get the ball out of his hands, I think, would be key. The problem is you got LeBron James, you've got Rajon Rondo, who's a great secondary creator. So if Anthony Davis is able to move the ball out, I mean, he might get it right back and be able to beat that double, you know, before it can get there. So yeah. uh, it's almost an unsolvable problem given the personnel they've got. Uh, I don't, I don't really know what you can do. There's nobody that you can really hide Jokic on. You don't really want to because you want his rebounding. You want him around the basket. Um, I think it's just you got to make sure that you're getting it on the other end because he. Anthony Davis is going to get 30 a game in this series. It's just right. what it is. I feel like a lot of Anthony Davis's buckets are buckets I'll live with because uh, there's not things that are spiraling off of him. You know, you, you you can't have him absolutely cooking. And I thought in that first quarter he was getting the good buckets going around Jokic to the rim, drawing fouls. But the jumper, the mid-range jumpers, when he was hitting those, I'm like, okay, that's great. Denver was going on a run while he was making a ton of mid-range jumpers. So I think there's something well, to that. Your defense, right? Yeah, I mean, like you're you're taking away the basket, you're taking away the three. You're by doing that, you're saying I'm conceding the mid range to a certain degree. Certainly, you want to defend it, but if they hit those shots, great. If they miss those shots, better. But you can't then question your process to get there because you know you've taken away the rim and you've taken away the three. So right. if he hits those, you live with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's not really that great <laughs> of a mid range shooter anyway. So you know, if he gets hot, good for him. Another play here that I, I, is so indicative of what is going on with Denver in this series, one of the like margins that I think they can clean up. I mean, this is a phenomenal shot by MPJ and kind of just points to his, uh, his playmaking. But let's stop it right here and keep an eye on Kyle Kuzma. There are five Lakers players now deeper than all but one Nuggets player, including Kyle Kuzma. And somehow this play turns into a transition layup or a transition foul, I should say. And this has happened a, a decent amount with the Nuggets. Here's Jamal Murray at the top of the key. Here's Monte Morris at the top of the key. Here's Kyle Kuzma, the deepest, one of the deepest guys on the court, and somehow he gets it. This is the stuff that I think is going to keep Malone up at night. It's so hard to beat this Nuggets team with AD and LeBron, and then when you just give up those plays, that's that's a killer. Yeah, I mean, this has got to be priority number one. I'm sure that it was the first thing they talked about in their first right. session. I yeah. guarantee it. Yeah, because they can't run with the Lakers. So you got to limit live ball turnovers, which mm, questionable whether they've accomplished that. And you have to stop transition and in particular secondary transition. Like, you just can't you can't get beat on things that aren't true fast breaks. Fast breaks are going to happen. You're going to turn the ball over. But stuff like that, you just absolutely cannot lose on. So LeBron goes off 
for uh, you know had a really great first half, especially first quarter, but first half. And I thought the Nuggets did a great job of weathering that. It seems like when LeBron, I know the numbers didn't bear this out in the raw plus minus yesterday, but LeBron being on yesterday worried me more than Anthony Davis being on. And I just think because again, so much spirals off of LeBron's offense. AD, he can beat you as he did last night, but it's just there's fewer things kind of coming off of it. And I thought Denver did a great job of sort of weathering that. The one lineup they haven't quite solved yet, although they had a lot of success with it in the fourth quarter, is Dwight Howard coming in with Anthony Davis. And this is coming into the series, this was the lineup that concerned me. It was funny talking to Lakers fans because they were all in on the small ball and the, you know, JaVale. This I was thinking Dwight Howard is the guy because Jokic is stronger than almost everybody in the NBA. There's very few players he's not stronger than. Dwight, I think, is one of them, um, in addition to the athletic tools and everything else. I wasn't worried about that matchup for Dwight's defense. It's Dwight's offense that has actually been giving the Nuggets trouble. Yeah. He's hanging out in the dunker spot and providing yeah. a lot of vertical spacing. And yep. so if LeBron gets loose, and and I, I mean this happened a couple times uh, in the series so far, but LeBron gets loose coming to the basket, Jokic does his job and steps up. Well, the helper isn't going to be there half yeah. the time. And they're able to throw those lobs to Dwight. And I mean, that's just, he's been huge for them just with the threat of that, because a few times you've got Jokic questioning himself instead of stepping up. And so that's the whole point. I mean, that's why the dunker spot is used in almost every single basketball offense forever. And it's because of that, it's a natural pass. And so the defensive stuff, like people are paying attention a lot to the antics, uh, the 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 rebounding too. And it's both offensive and defenses, but yeah. And the offensive rebounding, I mean, 35%. Dunker spot, great gravity as well, yep. 35% offensive rebounding rate for our percentage last night for the Lakers. And I mean, you just cannot lose on the glass like that and expect yeah. to win. And I mean, if you wanted to point to one thing, like I could just tell you, one reason they lost a two-point game, they gave up 13 offensive rebounds. Second yeah. second chance points, lost them the game. I mean, we can point to Plumley blowing the uh, – yeah. the assignment on AD, we can point to PJ Dozier's missed free throws. But the truth is if these guys had been working the glass, like they usually do, cause this is a good rebounding team. They win that game. So how would you come back? Cause I think the series for the nuggets can turn if they can solve that lineup, because I think Denver's playing them very well against all other, other lineups. I'm not saying they're always going to play well against the AD at five. They're not always going to play well against the starting lineup, whatever, but that Howard lineup has been responsible for two enormous runs in game one and in game two and you just take it you look at that and those were were pretty decisive i wonder if there's a lineup change i wonder if there's Jokic sort of figuring some things out again he had success against that lineup in the fourth quarter quite a bit so maybe there's something there what what is your perspective on how denver can adjust michael porter jr oh just where at you've at the four you've got no way wow you've got to pressure them on the offensive end (laughs) Is what I, this is what I'm getting at. Right? I, haven't, I haven't used this for a while, Dave, because I have we haven't been in a stream yard. I think I have like a five pepper. Here it is. That take is a five pepper take. <laughs> a five pe- so the way to beat Dwight Howard is with Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. Wow. Yeah. Actually, maybe guard maybe guard Dwight with Michael Porter Jr. I don't Woo, know. But, but I, I just think you need that offense. You need the threat of that offense, right? And, and so the, the issues have been when when Jamal sits, they have no offense. Yeah. I mean, it just is non-existent. There is no threat. I think one of Jokic or two of Jokic, Murray, and Porter need to be on the court almost at all times just to keep the Lakers working defensively. If it's just one of them, they're not going to guard those other guys. 
Yeah. They just don't respect yeah. them. And and rightfully, these guys are yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. I wonder about Michael Porter at the two. And I know that's a little crazy, but you're putting some length and extra spacing on yeah. there. But I, I wonder if you could get away, especially when they go big by matching big with Mason Plumlee. And look, he, part of what's working for the Lakers right now is that JaVale McGee has six fouls to give. Dwight Howard has six fouls to give. Yep. And they're going to use all of them. They're going to put their hands on Jokic nonstop. I see Laker fans. I did a whole breakdown on the Jokic grab foul. And 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 I, th I think a lot of people look at that and say, okay, Jokic is flopping and flailing, which he is. But there's a method to the madness here. The Lakers are putting their hands on him to right. try, try to go him into go him into doing those things. So, um, so I think if you put Mason Plumlee on the court there, you might be able to make it work defensively enough to so that the rebound battle gets a little bit more even out. But if you do that, you have to put extra spacing or shooting on the court, and those lineups have been a little bit mixed with or without without LeBron, I believe. I think you might be able to get away with Michael Porter on there. Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo. Those are right. guys – well, they're guys that – if you're going to be ISOing Rajon Rondo against him, that's a win for Denver. Like, okay, he might make some. He might make him look bad, but it's probably going to be less than their series average yeah. on the offensive end. Yeah, no, I'm with, I'm I'm with you. Whatever gets more Michael Porter in the game. I, I like yeah. I think that that is the real key because Denver just doesn't have enough guys that are willing to do that. I mean, you have Jokic who likes to do it second half. You got Murray who will who will be aggressive any it can yeah. be any time of the game. You need another guy who's willing to pressure the defense on the other end because their issues have not been defense. Their issues have been not being able to score and, and you know that's might be your best scorer i mean we don't yeah. know yet yeah he might he honestly might be man i'm just so impressed with the scoring gonna take a second here again to tell you about msu denver online they put the dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life msu denver is the colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by real professors who bring the real world into the classroom msu denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs some of our very own staff members have taken those courses and got a first-hand experience super engaged teachers that are extremely responsive to emails questions concerns almost feels like you're getting that one-on-one -on -one, uh interaction one-on-one -on -one education many of the teachers work in the same field that you're taking classes from like our own dr travis heath who both practices psychology and teaches psychology that's the msu denver way um, you can learn about things that you can use outside of the classroom real life skills um, you know not bs fodder that's gonna just you know you're never gonna use once you get out of there go there get the training Training, education and experience that you need to, to if you want to change careers get into something else or make an impact if you've been feeling like you've been wanting to change fields because you got something to offer to the world you only need the requisite uh, you know education to get there check out MSU Denver online and then I also want to tell you about the Colorado Raptors and our guy Colton Strickler covering the Colorado Rock, uh, rugby and the Colorado Rock, uh, Raptors Right now, they're covering, uh, Colton is covering all things rugby, Colorado and the United States. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date. He's got great interviews over on the Colorado Raptors podcast, the DNVR Raptors podcast. He's had some great guests. If you're into rugby, I'm telling you, this is the community. I know it's a niche community, but that's the, that's where you're going to want to go for all of that information. And then, of course, some written stuff up on our website. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That means that Colorado is the place for rugby, and DNVR Raptors is your place for all of your rugby information.
Here's another post up that the Nuggets go to here that's just a little bit different. It's funny because they ran this action just nonstop. Again, this little pin down, mm -hmm. um, you get the switch, although they don't switch this one for whatever because Murray's Scram. waiting. But, but I like, yeah. well, I like that Murray doesn't pass it here. You see Jokic expects it, and he's telling him, Gary Harris, get out. And what they do here is just your basic pick and roll. Okay, now we get the spacing, and now we get the post-entry. But what's different about this? You have somebody in the strong side now. And again, I don't know if this was intentional or not. There's a foul on this play. But Jokic, as much as LeBron is sneaking up here, mm -hmm. nobody sneak. Very few people sneak up on Jokic on this type of action. I just, mm -hmm. I love the spacing. Somebody in the dunker, one strong side, two weak and side. Grant's wide open. Grant's, you know? I, I, and I, Jokic makes this play. Like the, he either scores this one going at the basket, or he makes that read. And um, I don't know. I just think there's something to Denver constantly overloading that side. Just seems like it's mucking up some of the the spacing they've created. They they need. I mean, I, I actually, I think that play was, would have worked out pretty well until he got, I mean, he got a foul out of it, but right, right. Um, they were going to wind up with an open three or a bucket. And, and so, you know, that works, but again, this is, you know, Gary Harris, I think set the little pin down for Jokic. He didn't get out of there fast enough. Like yeah, the, the, timing, is, the timing yeah. is off. Gary Harris's timing has been off, but you know, in his defense, he's barely played. He's played 11 games at this point. It's funny to me when people talk because people talk so much about what play is run or where guys are. The timing of everything is as if not more important than it. a lot of times you could do the right thing at the with the wrong timing. It doesn't make any difference. You could do the wrong thing with maybe a little bit better timing and you're at least going to create some kind of type of pressure on the defense. So mm -hmm. um, I'm completely with you. I think Denver, though, and this is one of the things that they've kind of in, in every series is they've kind of learned the defense. They've kind of learned like, OK, this is the rhythm to how things happen. But part of that is you have to extend a series long enough for you to really gain the advantage. I don't – it's funny. As this playoffs has go on, gone on, at first, you know, they beat the Utah Jazz through, after going down 3-1. And I think, okay, they won, but they could have just as easily lost. And we have to analyze this series in context. Now that they've done this twice, there's still some of that true. There's no doubt about yeah. it. But there's also a part of me that says, one – it's not that any team would have come back from 3-1 twice. I think there's oh, right. something about this Nuggets team that is special and resilient. And I think there's also something, too. They have a genius-level basketball player as their central figure. And the longer you keep a genius-level player in a series, the more it tilts in, in your advantage because he's gaining more insight than you are often. Now, the Lakers do have Rondo. They do have LeBron. So they have some guys that are maybe probably his equal in that category. But the, the point remains. I have a cross-sport analogy for you. Okay. Nikola Jokic is Muhammad Ali. Oh, because well, the rope-a-dope? Is that why? He, is that he why? does it. That's what he does, man. He rope-a-dopes you. Because he's he's uh. literally, he's poking and prodding. He's taking what you what you can give early on because he's trying to learn the weakness. He's trying to figure out, yeah. okay, what's going well for you tonight? What's not? And right. we see because his approach varies. Last night, he went inside. We saw him against the Clippers. He was outside quite a bit, yeah. and he knew the inside was there for him, but that they were really, really soft on the outside. And so, you know, he really does learn as they go. And also, credit to Mike Malone, man, because Mike Malone has been switching it up all playoffs. When he finds something that works, he's riding it. But when it stops right. working, he's looking, he's moving to the next thing. So I, I think that is what this team is. But the other thing is they are scrappy. And I hate to yeah, use they that are. word, but no, they it's really true. are. They, they've had four playoff series in the last two years, and all of them have gone to seven games. Yep. I, you know, I, I think that that says a lot. They've made the Western Conference Finals. I mean, you and I have been talking about this team as long as I've been doing this job, this yeah. particular team, and they continue to improve. 
but they're always fighting. Like the D, even when the defense was just abysmal, it was never about effort. And I think that just being, you know, being basketball fighters has gotten them quite a long way. It helps that you're also got two really super skilled players, you know, but, it, but they, it really cracks me up that we've been talking about this team for so long. And Jamal Murray is 23. Like, it's nuts. <laughs> you know, it's like it feels yeah. like he should be older than he is based on how much we've been talking about him. I want to play the play that gets Michael Porter benched because it, it, this wasn't when I went when I watched it the first time, Dave, I was thinking this play didn't deserve like the Nuggets made their run mm-hmm. at this moment and he's on the court. He's a part of it. And so when he gets benched for this one, I was a little, you know, a l- I, I thought it was a bad decision. But. When I went back and watched it, it might have just been the culmination of mistakes. You see, and this is such yep. a classic Michael Porter. You've defended for 14 seconds. Things are looking good. You're not really in help. You're not really active. In fact, you're just He's kind of no a statue as, you're, as, you, as your guy cuts right behind you. And if you take a look at the Nuggets bench here, including Michael Malone, I mean, this is automatic. All right, that's it. Get out. And you see, you see the hands on the head. You see everybody. And when we talk about trust, the, that's only worth two points. The Nuggets were on a run. Like you, the rational analytics brain looks at this and says, "Hey, all that matters is the numbers. Like the numbers say he's this or that." And I, I use this. I tap into this brain a lot. But plays like that are about trust, and they're about trust breakdown. And when the whole team goes, what's the point of us all busting our asses on the defensive end, making these tough rotations, trying to gut out a fourth quarter win when at any moment we can turn around and Michael Porter's guy is wide open under the rim because he's standing still on the block. And and to me, that's the thing I think that. As much as you can overemphasize different things, that stuff matters. Yeah. Well, all right. There, there are ways you can work around that, but you ideally don't have to. I mean, they, they could switch that and just never have him as the backline help. It, it's not it's mm. not that difficult. He's mm. he's good enough at moving around on the wing that it's not that big a deal. But you don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, if this I is was a- Mike Malone, I would tell him, I want you overhelping all night. Yeah. Overhelp because yeah, yeah. ideally, ideally he's sliding in there to to defend right. a shot to force a pass and and you almost live if if Kuzma cuts after he's come over to help you almost live with the dump off pass in the bucket because you say you know what at least you were trying to affect the play versus what he just did which I mean he affected the play by not being in the way. Yeah, I have to share this one because this is a Lakers fan coming into the with a classic Lakers line, bro. They're they're getting swept. Look at the, look at this. They're getting swept. Stop it. Good good work, Lakers fan. Um, almost almost got got us. <laughs> um, this fourth quarter. So this is now the second series in a row that Michael Malone in fourth quarter with the game on the line has gone to a lineup that has never played together before. It happened in game seven against the Clippers. They roll out a lineup that had literally never played and you do it again tonight. And look, this stuff happens in a playoffs and in large part of this is PJ Dozier didn't play a lot. He had it going. So you stick with them. And so of course you're going to find a lineup, but listen to this lineup, Dave, Jamal Murray, PJ Dozier, Torrey Craig, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumlee. If Murray has the ball in his hands, who do you guard outside of the paint? Torrey Craig, Mason Plumlee, PJ Dozier, yeah. maybe Paul Millsap. I mean, Paul Millsap is your go-to shooter in that lineup. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Gary Gary Harris was having a, a rough night. Although I still think keep him out there for, for at least for the defense. Um, and Monty Morris tweaked his ankle, so I don't think we see that much PJ Dozier if it wasn't for the the ankle tweak. 
uh, in particular down the stretch like that. But look, look, man, I I appreciate that Malone sees something and he's like, you know what? This has been working. This has been working separately. Let's just throw it out there and try it. Right. What else do you have to lose? Like they're playing with house money and I hate to even look at it that way because the Nuggets are good. Like they are a top four team in the NBA right now. I hope now, people right? have realized that now. Yeah, like that's the, that's the thing is they're I, I don't we're going to find out if they're in that in the Lakers tier, you know, like we'll see if they can make it. I don't think they are. But I don't think they are either. But yeah. we're going to see if they can push this series to where it becomes interesting and you know, if right. you get into a game 6, we saw this with the Clippers, some of the guys who hadn't actually been there before starting to 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 wilt, maybe the Nuggets can put that pressure on. But I think what they've proven is that the, the other teams that are trying to punch up haven't punched through yet. Denver has, right. and th- and that's important. That's just meaningful. And and then on top of that, it was a crazy stat. Who, who thought they would more- beat Utah there, right? Like who didn't who didn't think Utah was going to be the the ascendant team? Well, they could have been. I mean, it was Denver, so close. Right? I th- I'm sure Utah's sitting at home kicking themselves. Although I, again, I I doubt they could have continued what it was that Denver did. If you just take away the first, I know you can't do this, but if you take away the first three games of that series, and they lost Game Four, so we can include that one. The Nuggets have looked completely different from game four of the first round to now. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of their reputation was built in that first three games because they look so bad. But, um, you know, they Denver's looked like a clear top of the second tier of teams since then, in my opinion, um, or the bottom of the top tier, whatever you want to say. I, I think I'd put them on the same tier as the Clippers. I mean, Nikola Jokic oh. has Get the has Clippers out of our life. tier. Get our, did you no, not I mean, watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> but like they're they're with Boston, they're with Toronto. They're yeah, with, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that this is a very good team. They're not Milwaukee, they're not the Lakers, but you know they don't have Giannis, yeah. they don't have AD, LeBron. But I think Jokic is in the conversation with those guys at this point. You know, yeah. uh, certainly doesn't affect the game defensively like those guys can. Yeah. Uh, but very much in that top tier, I think Jokic is the best player on a championship team. Is not only believable, I think it's probable. I, yeah. I think Jokic will win a championship as the best player. So one of the funny things that when people, because people always talk about this, can they be the best player on a team? I don't know, bro, this or that. Like, There's only, I think, four players that have been the best player on a team. LeBron, Kawhi, Steph Curry, and KD. And Steph Curry and KD were together for KD's right. portion of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. only four players can we actually say for certain can be the best can player be. on a team right now. And I don't think people realize that when they talk about, I don't know, man, can so-and-so be a top... Can Luca be a top player on a team? Don't know. The odds are that only right. four or five players currently playing can be the best player or will be the best player when it's all said and done. So that's a good point, but it's less fun. It is less fun. Yeah. 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 It is <laughs> yeah. less fun. Yeah. Um, so just to tell you how crazy this closing lineup was for Denver, you sub in Jokic for Plumlee, you sub in Jeremy Grant, uh, I believe for Tory Craig. And that lineup still had never played together. So you get three different versions of that combination, never played each other with each other until the closing minutes of, of that game. Pretty wild. Necessi- necessity is the mother of invention. There you go. So on that point, game five of the first round, PJ Dozier comes in, dust gets dusted off the shelf, goes in, makes an immediate impact. Nuggets win that game. They stay alive. Doesn't play in game six. Do you think there's any chance he doesn't play in game three of this series? I think part of that will depend on Monte Morris, you know, yeah. because they did say he tweaked his ankle. So if he's good to go, then I mean, I, he might just be a break glass in case of emergency guy. I liked what I saw, man. Me too. I, I, I mean, he can't shoot a lick, but I really loved the pressure he was putting on the on the rim and defensively. Like I loved the intensity. I thought he was very good. I don't see why a guy that size can't 
Gar LeBron for stretches? Why can't he play some well, four? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think you can you can float him around out there. There's nobody too big. I mean, LeBron is too big for everybody yeah. for long stretches. But why can't you find a space for a utility defensive guy who can attack the basket? I, I think that that's there's that part there, is what's right? important to me. So if you look at the Denver's team going forward, one thing for me that I personally would love to see is is PJ Dozier replacing Torrey Craig in the rotation. Because I think defensively, he's maybe just as good. Honestly, the P.J. Dozier takes two charges yesterday. He disrupts a bunch of other plays. I should have put him on here so we could have gone through the whole list of great plays he had. But defensively, he gives you at least, I would say, 90%, if not 100%, if not 110% of what Torrey Craig does. But here's the difference um, as I share my screen again. This play that we looked at earlier just does not happen with P.J. Dozier. I always joke that half of Denver's turnovers in aggregate are – Tory Craig turnovers that are just disguised because of plays like this. Like again, is this Paul Millsap's fault? Probably. It's just that these plays always seem to happen with a player that's always on a different rhythm than everyone else and just plays a little bit crazy. PJ Dozier is one of those guys that just is in the right spot. He's to me, he's got a little bit of Alonzo Ball to him, right? Where it's he just yeah. knows where to be and the, the timing and everything is just natural to him. Yeah, um, I didn't see that play. I, you didn't share it. With oh, me, I didn't but... share it. Oh, I thought I was yeah, sharing. It was. It was just that one no. that we did from earlier. So it's just. Oh, oh, right, right, right. It's just, it's just this yeah. play here, which again, I'm saying Corey is Craig. this who? Yeah, is this? Well, it's this probably is... it's Paul Millsap's turnover. It's his fault, but at the same time, it's it, it's just like a weird everything about what Tory Craig did on this led to a really tough situation for Paul Millsap. Um, and PJ Dozier just seems to be like the opposite of that. Those and plays, what would have, you know, what would have been a great action out of that is that you could have had with all that attention Millsap was getting and the overloaded weak side, you could have had Tory Craig set a nice flare screen for yeah. Jamal and and then got, cut and then die. That yeah, exactly. So I talk about this all the time. For me, for me, Tory Craig should have like two or three types of cuts he always takes, and it's just like, hey, okay, you're on the ball side, set a screen for the guy over and then dive and then cut off of that. So mm-hmm. I'm with well, you Well, and that, that wasn't even a cut, right? Like, I mean, it was it was a couple of steps into the lane. And again, it's, that's Jamal's cut. The whole thing is that Tory needed to either be on that wing or setting a screen for Jamal. I mean, Jamal could have cut or gone to the wing for an open three. There, there were options there. I'm with you. Like a, a player that's maybe a little bit more um, heads up on the offensive end probably makes a better play. Yeah. For sure. Well, um, Dave, we, I'll share one comment with you. We need more Dave in our lives. All right. Strong agree. Strong agree, Dave. Who am I to argue? <laughs> uh, everybody else, thank you so much. Let me see. Where's, where's my going away music? Oh, here it is. I haven't done this in so long. What do you got? What do we got here? Are you going to try to get a shirt on before before it's too late? Oh, the Sambor Shuffle. How beautiful is that design? Big shouts, what a D-Line. Great shirt. I hate giving D-Line credit for anything, but look at that thing. What a great shirt. I love it. I keep it in the office so I can show it off whenever I can. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. The Sombor Shuffle, man. I'm such a fan of this this shot. It's like I I, I had to, I had to have to admit, man, it was sometime in round two, towards the end of round two, where I just I'm like laying in bed and I start I crack up laughing out of nowhere, uncontrollable laughter, thinking about the fact that Jokic has a signature shot. It's, Jokic. It's just, Nikola Jokic a, has a signature. There's like 20 players total in the – actually, maybe 10 players total in the history of the NBA who have a signature shot. Jokic is one of them. He's a throwback in every single way. Yeah. You got the finger roll. You got the sky hook. You got the fall away. You got the dirk. You, you got know. the dream shake. 
the Dream Shake. Exactly. You got the Iverson crossover. You got the Tim Hardaway crossover. You got the Sambor Shuffle. And look, the Sambor Shuffle is the ugliest of all of them. It's somehow beautiful in its absurdity. I mean, wasn't James Harden doing, or was it Chris Paul who was doing the little spin? No, it was James Harden. It was James James Harden Harden who was was working on it in the summer, and people kept saying, look out. And then he never really pulled it off in the game. Jokic is out here doing it under the gun in the fourth quarter. (laughs) He's pulling out a Sambor shuffle. I love it. He's a magician. Guys, check Dave out. Nerder, uh, Nerder, she wrote all kinds of. Any, if there's an athletic pod, Dave is on it. I think that's correct. Is that? Am I accurate it's, in saying it's that? It's actually. I'm contractually obligated to be on every podcast. Every I'm every trying, single one. I'm trying to get on some of these NFL shows. You know, like get me on the baseball shows. There you go. That'd be great. Let's do. I it. like it. You're built yeah. for it. Um, and you also check out the Rainbow Skyline podcast, which he does. Um, thanks so much, Dave. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Gonna be back tomorrow, hopefully in the winners lounge. We'll see you. We'll see you then. Maybe with a guest. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh man, I have a closing uh, graphic. I'm I'm useless. <laughs> Before we get out of here, I want to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental Group. They're in Lakewood, Colorado, and the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like you, just like me, just like all of us. You're going to want to check it out. They send you a personal, personalized card for your birthday, new patients, special events. Um, they're just a really – it's an intimate relationship you get with your dentist, and you wouldn't want it any other way. You want your dentist to actually care about you and to be the type of person that follows up and does all those things. And then this is the best deal. You guys know it. Schedule a cleaning extra tray and exam and you receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. A free Sonicare toothbrush. That's an incredible value just for going and taking care of your uh, of your mouth, of your teeth. Make sure you uh, it's it's really the gateway to so many of your health problems. So remember, get a cleaning, x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush.